Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have author and coach G.S. Youngblood. He's going to talk about his new book, The Masculine in Relationship, a blueprint for inspiring the trust, lust, and devotion of a strong woman. This book is about how masculine power can successfully coexist with the strong feminine. Man, I'm going to love, I'm going to love diving into this topic. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So I say overall, the theme of your book from what I gathered, uh, and we're going to get into some juicy details here, but I'd say the overall theme here is to guys, when you change, she'll start to change, right? So it's kind of on their side of the court, but gosh, I really want to get into this with you. Uh, you know, normally I ask like, Hey, how'd you get into this line of work? And mm-hmm. we can talk about that or mm-hmm. we can jump right into it. But, um, Tell us, first of all, I mean, I know Robert Glover, one of my favorite interviewees, uh, love his work. I even quoted a lot of his uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy in my book, Confident as Fuck. He recommended you. I know you've been working with men for a while. So give us a little rundown on how you even got into this game. Well, I, I like to say that motivation, my motivation all along was, was failure. It was failure way back when of an end of a, the end of a marriage. And, uh, you know, it ended in a way that was really painful. And it really motivated me to want to be different. I had ended that marriage kind of in a state of just trying to keep the peace and really not um, having a sense of my needs, my wants, my boundaries, and my own power, most certainly. And that was my motivation because I knew there could be a better way. So I spent the last 12 years doing men's work. And in the last few years, I've been teaching men's work. And everything that I've learned over those 12 years, you know, whether it be through training with some of the luminaries in the field, or really just being in long-term relationship, at least at the time, uh, and practicing, seeing what works, what opens my mind, what doesn't, what brings us closer, what doesn't. Uh, all of that uh, turned into a real big pile of notes and then turned into the book that we're talking about. <laughs> oh, life is a big pile of notes, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so let's, uh, gosh, all right. From my perspective as a strong alpha female, um, I think the hardest thing for me, we talk about this in the book and we'll, we'll get to it at some point. It's really tough for me to see a man be emasculated by a woman mm-hmm. and essentially emasculate himself by accepting this type of led around by one, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really tough to watch. So in that scenario where I see, let's say, a woman emasculating her man and he sort of cows, it just cowers and doesn't really say anything. Mm-hmm. I'm pissed at her because she looks like a bitch and I'm mad at him for not manning up and calling a drawing a line and mm-hmm. you know because she just embarrassed him in front of everybody and this happens right. all the time man i wish i could just at parties be like yo what is going on so this yeah. kills me inside because i see both sides and i go she she's looking horrific like if i could walk up to her i'd be like you didn't make him look bad you made yourself look like an asshole and mm-hmm. you sir right? What are you tolerating? So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about how someone even gets up to that. I think one of that examples you first give in your book is about Derek. And maybe that's kind of a good example to start with to sort of intro everybody. Uh, you want me to retell that example? Yeah. Well, I love it. I thought, I mean, I think it's very classic. Yeah. Derek was, was a guy who, uh, wow. When he came to me, he was in a lot of pain because he had found out his wife had been cheating on him. And it was, he was so baffled because the man really, he wasn't that handsome and he wasn't that successful in life. And, you know, Derek was both those things, uh, not wildly so, but he was good looking and he was doing pretty, pretty darn well in life. And he couldn't figure out why his wife would go elsewhere. He was crushed. And, you know, it turns out the, the guy for all the shortcomings actually had a really grounded, uh, seemingly masculine appearance. Now, it turns out later that the guy was a little bit more of an empty shell, but on the outside, he seemed like that. And um, she was really attracted to that because that was so missing in her relationship with Derek. And it's one of the things I tell guys, you know, a lot of guys would say, or at least think to themselves, man, I wish I was better looking or I, I need to be richer, taller, stronger, uh, you know, more charismatic to get a woman like that, you know, some woman that he idolizes. And I, and I say, guys, no, you don't actually. Yep. What you need is you need, first and foremost, that grounded energy. Because a guy who's, you know, 
not physically imposing and just average looking can actually attract some powerful women if he's got a really strong grounded masculine core. Whereas you can have a, a guy who, who looks like he's a model. And then the minute you hear him talk, you realize that he's got no personal power and you're immediately turned off. And so I really try to point guys, the number one thing you got to worry about in, in being attractive other to, to either people you meet or people that you are in relationship with is a masculine core. And that's really what I'm trying to get across to my clients. Yeah. And in that, in, in these situations, it's interesting. Um, like he was like, Oh, this guy's not even good looking or successful. Is she cheated on me with mm. it's, it's gosh, sometimes it's the exact opposite because it has nothing to do with that. Right. It's the level of appreciation. It's the way we feel in the presence of somebody. And yeah. so you are so right. And I'm here to say too, as a woman who is considered pretty and people go, Oh, you can get whoever you want, whatever, because mm-hmm. you're pretty. But that's, we're not, we are not looking for that. Uh, what is really hot, especially to women. I mean, I know men are more visual, right? But for women, we can get to know someone. And this is someone we would never look twice at on the street <laughs> ever. And I am, you know what I call it? Uh, we, uh, in the world of like, you know, you see a celebrity or some kind of actor and they're not good looking at all, mm-hmm. but they're, they're so hot. We call it ugly hot. Right. Because, because it's about go. their personality. Right. They're so funny. Like maybe Will Ferrell's kind of an example. Maybe even <laughs> Philip C. R- John C. Riley. Right. Like, uh, not yeah. really good looking, but damn it. They're so yeah. hot because of the personality or whatever it is we see. You know, now, granted, we don't know what they're like in the real lives, but that is so true, GS. And if you could just get that across to men, man, mm-hmm. it's about the character and that personality. That's what we that's what we are dying for. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I want to take back to the example you gave where you were uh, in in this visualization that you had of of being mad at the man and the woman. And I love it that you'd want to walk up and and give a piece of the mind to that woman. But for me, one of the things I want to get across to the men is, guys, quit blaming her. Quit thinking that she's just a bitch. And this is just how she is. Because in more cases than not, She's acting that way because she's fucking pissed after all the years like he hasn't stepped up. He hasn't made her feel safe. He hasn't uh, done the work to settle his nervous system so he can settle her nervous system. He hasn't provided the leadership in the relationship for years. And, you know, a lot of my clients suffer from these things. And of course, the woman is a bitch. Of course, she's upset because you, you, the man, you haven't stepped up and you haven't done it for years. And she's not only heartbroken, but she's just in pain. Um, and that's what I really try to get across to the guys is quit, quit trying to label her. And actually, let's look at why she might be acting that way. And, and in many cases, it leads back to her just really revealing the upset of his inability to step up. You know, there, ugh, there's so much stuff to get in here. Let's talk about first the, the three. There's so many different ways to define all the things we're going to talk about. But let's talk about these this main three. Respond mm-hmm. versus react, provide yeah. structure and create safety. Yeah. Yeah. So for the listeners, what she just rattled off was the three part blueprint for a masculine core that I write about in the book. And for me in writing the book, just knowing how guys think, um, I really wanted to have a framework that was easy to understand and easy to follow. And probably you shouldn't use the word easy, but at least it's straightforward. And then, you know, begins the hard work of actually implementing it in your life. But let's talk about those three elements of the blueprint. So the first is respond versus react. So this is a man who is grounded. You, uh, he is able to have a certain quality of stillness about him instead of sort of, you know, being wildly gesticulating or being overly expressive or talking fast. You know, you just, you can feel these guys from across the room, uh, especially you, you know, as a woman, because you're intuitive. You can, you can feel him from across the room. Oh man, that's, that's my, that's my guy right there. Yeah. Yes. Is that guy that, that calm, steady, collected, grounded energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's in, in some sense, it's hard to like describe exactly what it is, but you know, you can, you can tell it's the way he doesn't look around nervously when he's hanging out at the coffee shop. He's just, you know, he's in his own space and he moves deliberately. He talks deliberately. That doesn't mean he never gets excited. It's not about that, but you can just tell everything he does where he walks, gestures, talks, He's doing it by choice, little micro choices, rather than out of reaction uh, to the stimuli of the world. And what that, well, and what GS, that, isn't that what we want in a pilot? Like that's what we want in an airline pilot. I just realized yeah. that's kind of what I want in a man pilot yeah. to lead. Exactly, it's the same thing. And really, in any leader pilot, you want your CEO 
yeah. to feel like he or she is just grounded and then like she's got this or he's got this. If that's your CEO, you want to feel that in your man too, which so I'm agreeing with what you said. Um, so that is a quality that can be developed in a man. It takes a lot of practice. Number one, you have to really understand the, the context of being in a state of threat. So I have a whole chapter that is dedicated to this. And it's really the underpinnings of the book. When a man goes into what's called a state of threat, it's basically fight or flight. Um, and that can happen in dramatic ways, but it also can happen in little micro subtle ways. Um, that's when his non-masculine behaviors come out. You know, that's when he, uh, you know, he'll talk too fast or talk too much. That's when he tries too hard. That's when he gets defensive or, or withdraws in a fight with his woman. And so you have to understand that state of threat. Cause once you go into a state of threat, you, you're, you're going to be, you're not going to like your behavior. So we go into that a lot. Number two, you've got to have a new relationship with your emotions. So I have a whole chapter where really helping guys take a, a masculine lens on, lens on their emotions and how can they be in touch with their emotions, but not become kind of a, a new age flow boy. If you know what I mean, where you just, you, I mean, you, your laugh tells me. Hey, I'm in time. California. We got too many of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, but the biggest thing they can do to, to develop this state of groundedness is to have a daily embodiment practice. And it's something I work with all my clients on. I'm actually, right now I'm recording my online course for daily embodiment practices. That should be out pretty soon. So these are the things that you can do as a man to really develop this, this state of stillness, groundedness, solidity. And then you're going to be more responsive to the world rather than reactive to it. So I'll just pause there since I said a lot. No, it's great. So uh, in talking about this masculine core, mm-hmm. you talk about the nervous system being able to handle, handle intensity. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love that. It's like the handling of intensity. I feel uh, so safe. You know, huh, I, was, I recently had this happen to me where I was with such a man. And uh, we, we didn't have really like great chemistry, but wow, we had such a connection and we took a road trip together and there was a moment where we were going down. Uh, it, it was a little muddy. We were fish tailing. It was a mountain road off the cliff. Mm-hmm. I was having a freaking meltdown mm-hmm. like inside. Yeah. I was literally in a life or death scary. We're in the middle of nowhere, hours away from everything on a mountain, no one around. Yeah. I really felt this truck could go over the side at any moment. If it were anyone else driving, GS, I don't mm. know what I would have done. Yeah. And I had a moment where I literally would have normally yelled or been like, oh my God. And I, I just said to him, I said, I'm just going to have, I just have to tell you, I'm, I trust you, but I yeah. am feeling really nervous right now. I'm super scared. Like, I just want to stop. I'm kind yeah. of out inside. And he was just so calming and great. I felt safe. I did feel trusted because he was mm-hmm. a measured, non-reactive take it step-by-step methodical type of problem solver guy. Mm -hmm. I knew that before I went on this trip with him. But I tell you what, after that day, that is the kind of alpha level of comfort and safety. Now, granted, he also happened to be like a truck driving guy who got this kind of stuff and was an outdoor (laughs) dude. Okay, I get that. I get that every guy's not going to be that. But it was just that sense of he's going to take care of it. He's got it. I trust that we're going to be safe. I wouldn't have even trusted myself driving this truck. And I'm a good driver. I would not have trusted myself down this mountain. And so that, that presence, though, like that level of safety and protection, that level of feminine, awesome, like relax into the, you know, what you mentioned in your book with regards to David Data on the polarity was mm-hmm. just like, I felt that I was that scared girl. I was, I was totally was, I am, I, I am that I was that. And in the presence of this man who was like, don't worry. And explained it to me softly. It wasn't like, don't worry. I got it. It wasn't like a, he was, he understood and heard that I was keeping back some freaking out, even though I expressed it the way I did to you. And he was so good about sort of talking me down off it. It was like, this is explaining how this works. Don't worry, you know, and just this level of what we didn't say earlier, but what I wrote a book about, which is confidence, this real inside and out Mm -hmm. confidence in their ability, even if they don't know, or even if they're scared. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what you spoke to? You you jumped right to the third element of the blueprint, which is create safety, which is great. You know, trust and safety. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think I am. Trust and safety might be the number one thing that you that that, that women need 
to open to their man, whether it's physically or emotionally. Or, and yeah, and this is the thing I want to get across to guys. And that's why it's the third element of the blueprint because it's so important. You know, the story that you just told illustrates that perfectly. You know, he, what he did created a sense of safety in you, even though you were surrounded by perceived danger, you know, and the safety was number one, he wasn't reactive. And number two, he uh, engaged in a way that didn't, he wasn't uh, annoyed with you. He wasn't freaking out about the situation himself. He was giving the impression, whether it's true or not, it's different, but giving the impression that he knew what he was doing. He's got this. And then it sounds like with his words, he really intentionally tried to soothe you and create a sense of safety. And so, you know, and by the way, cliff note on that is yeah. that he is a guy who has done a lot of self-examination work, mm-hmm. was in a men's group, does the work and the kind of stuff and hires the coach there you go. like yeah. you to get to this point. He kind of already was a dude in an outdoor mountain man type of guy. Uh, so yeah. he still like knew how to truck navigate a muddy hill, but at the, at the end of the day, I want to point that out to the people because people are like, oh, this guy sounds amazing. He is. He's an amazing man. <laughs> Too bad we didn't have like the physical chemistry, but what a wonderful human being. And to me, was just like a lovely gift from the universe as an example of this wonder. Like, it was almost like, oh, what a cruel joke. We, too bad we didn't have like physical chemistry with each other because, mm-hmm. oh yeah. man, like, yeah. like, like he was awesome. we were like friends. He's so awesome. And, but it was almost like someone sent me a model of what yeah. I'm looking for, you yeah. know, and it was lovely. And it was, it seems rare, damn it. Seems rare, GS. It is. It's very rare. Yeah. It's, um, To the guys, listen, get on this stuff, man. I'm telling you, get on this stuff and be different. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is why I wrote the book, because I wanted guys to learn from what I learned and not make the same mistakes that I made over the years. Because trust me, I I made all the mistakes. What were some of your most embarrassing worst mistakes? Just give it to us. Oh, I I don't know if I can come up with specifics, but I just a lot of defensiveness in my life. Um, I was I was married to a strong woman. My last long term relationship, very strong woman. And, um, so they tend to come hard. And I think you, you know, a thing or two about this, Ellie, I think you've got a strong personality as well. And when, when you guys are upset, then it's a lot of energy coming back at us. And in my younger years before, that was an evil chuckle. <laughs> Well, but, I mean, yeah, listen, I mean, we are different for a reason. And you yeah. listen to this guy about how to handle it. Maybe you'll learn. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, isn't it, isn't it refreshing for you when you get a little fired up, maybe you get a little mean, like it happens, you know, and you might kind of throw him a zinger and he just, he doesn't take it, you know, like in a collapsing way, but he's just like, okay, all right, I hear you. Let's not, let's not throw those zingers at each other. Why don't you come over here and let's work this out. You know, where he just holds his ground in a way that you know, maintains the connection and doesn't take your barbs. Like that feels good to a woman. And that, I think that's a parallel example to you. What's that? That's a parallel for life. You're right. But here's the thing. Most people, even on our other reactions, like we want people to kind of call us on our shit. We do. We respect our friends. The ones who do that. Right. You know, I've had friends call me and you're like, all right, Hey, Let's vent for a minute. We're going to go off. All right. I'll even indulge you. I'll talk some shit. And then we're going to turn this around. You know what I mean? Like people who, you know, you can, cause they want you well, to that's, ultimate authenticity. Yeah. So, so but, double yummies, yeah. right? You know? Well, let's draw a distinction between, so let's use the perspective of a man, a man. Uh, most men appreciate when their friends call them out. And that's what friends are for. They're male friends to call them out and to tell them when they're not stepping up. When your woman calls you out in a lot of cases or criticizes you, it's actually very, very challenging for men. And yeah, in, in the end, like, of course, it probably is something you need to hear, but it's actually one of the biggest challenges because for us, we want to, we want to make you happy. We want to, we want to succeed in your eyes. Like our deepest impulse is to be, judged competent by you, you know, uber competent by you. And criticism from our woman is, is actually really painful. And it takes a lot of development to really, uh, to be able to uh, take it in, maintain connection, grow from it without kind of either collapsing or getting defensive or shutting down. It's one of the biggest challenges for men. And it's, it's one of the biggest things I work on with men. What I'd say on the opposite side for women, it's challenging because, uh, 
they're not realizing the way in which or the tone in which things are brought up, right? That's part of our dance in mm-hmm. getting what we want without chastising or nagging. You know, I've told the story before, but part of what made me a writer was I wrote sketch comedy for years and we performed mm-hmm. it. So we test all the sketches we wrote and performed in in front of an audience, like Saturday Night Live or anything like that. Nice. And there were some things that just never worked, right? There, we, we saw a thoroughfare. Some things you just, you never do. Like you never bring up a woman's period. It's never funny. Don't bring it up in a sketch. Just not right. Uh, <laughs> there's, cause there's a couple other things, but one of the other ones was this, it was never really fun. I mean, not that it can't be. Okay. But Overall, if a man was screaming or yelling in a sketch in some way, like, all right, what the hell is going on? Whatever it was, it could be funny. But if mm-hmm. a woman yelled, mm-hmm. ooh, because yeah, it's our like society, hysterical, you know, yeah. naggy, right? Yeah. We all have it. We know it. It's there. It's there for a reason. Sometimes mm-hmm. stereotypes are a time saver, but it is also the, it's that, it's that part that needs to get refined. Mm-hmm. So that's on us. And so that's a lot of the work too. And I think too, is setting people up for wins, right? That's why one of the shitty things in relationships, right, is you don't create tests for people, right? And so, you know, like you said, they just, you guys just want to win. So ladies help your man win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's true. That takes finesse. So. Yeah. I get asked a lot if I have any advice for women, you know, usually I'm giving advice to men all the time. And one of the pieces of advice I give is show me, give me the purest expression of your heart rather than your complaint, your shaming, your blaming, uh, or, or any of the other things that kind of inject toxicity. Tell me how you're hurting rather than uh, shaming me for something I did. And that, that actually works wonders for men. You know, if you tell us how we're hurting without blaming and shaming, we, again, that impulse to want to save you or help you or uh, be your man really kicks in when we're not shamed and blamed. And so that's the consistent advice I give is, is for the ladies, really, just to find the purest expression of your heart and give that to us, absent any kind of shame and blaming. You'll be amazed at how much better you get, because quite frankly, you just don't, you don't hit the tripwire of the male ego, which I'm sorry to say is, is pretty common. And um, so if you, can, if you can avoid that, you can get a much better response out of your man, I think. Yeah, and how about good old-fashioned speaking up and asking for what you need instead of mm-hmm. blaming someone for not having already read your mind? And, uh, you know, this happens in any kind of relationship. But mm-hmm. I think clarity yeah. is really important. So, like, I had a friend once who was their dog died. They were very upset. It was like their child, and their boyfriend wasn't as affectionate or whatever she felt mm-hmm. she needed in this time and was literally just blaming him, like, you're not, you're not. And I said, well, did you ever say to him, like, I'm hating it and I'm letting you know I'm going to need, like, a lot. Like, I'm going to be a sappy piece of garbage probably yeah. for the next week. Can you just, like, extra hugs, snuggles? I need, like, do it up. Do it up for me. Can you do that? That's what should have happened right off the bat. And I said, did you ever think about like just asking him and telling him what you needed? And she was like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I just never yeah. thought about it. Yeah, but- it's so true. It's so true. And let me flip that around for the guys too yeah. in this example. You know, men men need to be attuned to their women. And, you know, I don't know, who the, you know whoever was the man in this story you just told about the dog. Um, you know, I would recommend to that person, like, you really got to tune in. You got to know those moments where you know that she's probably going through some emotional state and to really tune in, maybe inquire, like, baby, how can I best support you right now? You know, even if you have no clue, like you're totally clueless, you can, you can tune in and and ask, how can I best support you, baby? And really nip these things in the bud before they, before they go off the rails. And so I think there's responsibility on both sides there. And and for the men, it's really like being an emotional attunement with your woman is very important. Absolutely. Let's talk about, on both sides uh, of the coin, in the best way that you want to express it, the early mm-hmm. signs of some trouble. So if people are out there and they're like, you know, yeah. and sometimes you know you're, the thing is, you know is shit, but you don't know how to define it or how to put mm-hmm. it into compartmentalized ways that you have in your book. But share some of the obvious ones so that people listening can go, uh-oh, that's me. And if you've yeah. got both sides, male and female, that'd be great. Yeah, they are, you know, the signs will sound very familiar to a lot of people. Um, it's, it's somebody who is more critical, somebody who is nagging more, somebody who um, isn't as open sexually as maybe she was at the beginning of the relationship. Like the sexuality is, the, is one of the first things to go. So if you see that going downhill, um, that's a good sign as well. 
And, you know, it's all the things that a lot of married guys complain about, you know, the nagging, the criticizing and all those things. Um, if you see that getting progressively worse as a man, this is not the natural course of things. And it's not just her turning either frigid or just being bitchy uh, or getting unhappy. It's not that. And men like to blame that. that. Actually, the C word, they like to call it crazy. And so she's not crazy. She's well, not frigid. I was frigid. thinking of another C word, but that's yeah. where my horrible. Right. Yeah, come on now. Where's your mind? <laughs> not that bad. It's not that bad. No, no, I right. get you. The crazy, crazy yeah. bee, right? Yeah. Right. Because it's a great label we can use to dismiss your behavior sure. when, we, when we don't understand it. So those are the signs that we need to look for. And so don't write those off as inevitable. You, you, need, to, you need to tell yourself, like, she is probably fundamentally unhappy. And then you have to look at your own role in that. Not that you're the cause of everything. She's got her own work to do as well, but you've got to look at your half of things. And it is, it is always 50-50. So those are some of the signs that I would look for. For the, for the women, it's... Wait, can I um, throw out a couple that I want you to maybe yeah, highlight from that list sure, of the guys? Sure. So uh, I, I like this one. And, you know, this is a hot topic, but I'm, I've, I've preached on it before. Everybody should be having sex, but not having sex with each other. You're just friends. That's not what you... That's not why you're together. Yep. Um, so... Uh, I like this. You really define it well by talking about a guy who's not grounded in his masculine core might try to initiate sex indirectly rather than directly. <laughs> yeah. You want me to explain that? Yeah. I mean, you know, can give us some examples here that the guy, cause you know, I, I, that's yeah. the other one, but it's important, right? That's, that's yeah. important. So I've got a client and his, I'm going to call him Mike. His name's not Mike, but I'm just going to call him that. And you know, he hasn't been married that long, actually. I'm a little surprised, but it sort of devolved into his initiation of sex consists solely of they get in bed, you know, it's a long day, they kind of flop in the bed, light goes off. Five minutes in, he kind of flops his arm over, and I call it the mic arm, you know, that's his <laughs> best move is the mic arm. And he flop and then kind of like caresses her and, you know, sees if he can get a response out of her. And if she just sits, if she just sits there, then he quits and they go to sleep. If, you know, once in a while she sort of turns on and reciprocates. And I'm like, wow, dude, that is a really indirect way to express, you know, your sexuality with, with your woman. And yes, I know that she's not initiating because they're kind of in a state where she's not been initiating. And what I coached him was to be more direct and own his sexuality. And he's like, baby, I miss making love to you. And I, I would like us to be doing that more. You know, he can actually give an authentic expression from his heart that he misses sexuality. Um, and the other thing and I coach him on grab her every once in a while and directly, right. Like initiate yeah. the, uh, you know, the mic arm sounds a lot like if you've ever spent any time with like the pit bull breed, they're very sneaky. They're they'll, they'll be on the floor and you're on the couch and then a hand is on the couch. Next thing you know, they've stood up halfway. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're like in your face and you're like, I see you right there. You're nice. like, it's this slow creep up, you know, that kind of, that's yeah. what Mike arm is, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. there. we want to be ravaged. I'm not saying physically grab and throw your woman on the bed, but I, maybe, but I'm just saying it is so nice when someone's just direct, even just like you said, come up, look into my eyes, yeah. grab me, you know, in a physical yeah. way and say, baby, I love like, right. That's so good. Totally. And that's one of the things that I coached him maybe a half step before that was, you know, I said, and start introducing touch throughout the day. Like when you wake up and she's standing at the counter and making some coffee, come up behind her and slide your arm around and then just pull her into you and kind of nibble her neck and say, baby, I can't wait to see you tonight in bed. You know, just introduce the physicality, introduce the notion of sexuality, even when you're not in the bedroom and start to have it more in the air. And that was the second thing I advised him on. And then the other was just, it's a little bit like you said, it's initiate sex, but not in the mic on way. You know, like, baby, tonight I'd like to get in bed early tonight. And he sends her off to the bath. Uh, he's got the candles lit in the room. He's got the temperature right. He's got some music playing. So he's got the environmentals right. So he creates the atmosphere where she can open. You know, like, start being proactive here, Mike. And, and the, so those are three of the things that I recommended to him to really try to own and revive that sexuality between them. Yeah, I love that. That's really, really important. Let's, um, uh, it, it, you know, I'll, let me just say this last thing because I don't want to run out of time and not have said this. Then you can kind of roll forward in terms of sexuality. And, and you know, I am co constantly coaching my guys, usually at their request, to develop a little bit of this darker energy in, in their sexuality and learn how to be a little edgier uh, a little more forward, you know, you're starting to take little 
little techniques from the BDSM world in really light ways and really start to assert yourself. And it's all under this umbrella in chapter 13. And I don't think I sent you this chapter actually, but it's called, this chapter is called sexual leadership. And well, now basically, I'm I missed it. If this is what we were talking about. All right, well, I'll send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we can do a follow-up because it's a, it's a good topic to, to go into. It's one of my favorites to talk about. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, it's under this umbrella of sexual leadership where it's like, men, stop waiting for her to just sort of be aroused and say, come here, big boy. You can actually lead your woman to her pleasure by setting up the environmentals, by knowing how to seduce her, by knowing how to warm her up. Take the initiative. Now, don't force yourself. You know, you're not talking like that. But there's ways that you can bring her to her pleasure, to the doorstep of her own pleasure, and then she can choose to step into it. And this is really what I'm coaching guys. Be proactive, bring sexual leadership into the relationship rather than just waiting for sexuality to emanate from her. All right. You know, listen, this is the primal blueprint. Primal people, right? This is what Mark Sisson, who owned this podcast, would say himself. And he is such a man. He is a man who's got that strong core. Um, And that is our primal nature. That is literally who we are, right? In this male-female kind of dynamic male female world and the dynamic exists elsewhere too and so yeah chase the hunt right this kind of again asserting yourself in that way we live in this modern world right and we've got all these things that have sort of dampered that down but that's the area where i feel yeah get back to the primal nature of it yeah it really is and that's you know the word primal can be exchanged for this this dark sexual energy that i'm talking about really we're talking about exactly the same thing and i'm teaching teaching my clients to get more into their primal. And it's a lot of fun. I can tell you that the, <laughs> it's the strongest women that I've been with who, who seem to enjoy that energy the most. The ones that you would never expect that you could pull it off, they're the ones that seem to enjoy it the most. Because it gives them a, it gives them a respite from having to get their own shit done in their life all the time. It gives them a respite. They can just surrender into your dark primal side. 100%. It's the last thing, you know, my friend is an alpha woman coach, one of my best girlfriends. And, you know, she, when she always talks about surrendering to your man and she's always like, I know people are going to get hate mail. I use the word submit or submissive. It's not about being like, whatever, I'm a broken angel and pretending to be someone you're not. It yep, is yep. about that polarity. It's about being able to relax into our feminine because we're alpha on the outside and during the day and with all the other people. And when we're with our man, we want that primal dichotomy. We want that opposite energy we want to be taken care of in all the ways right and taken meaning yeah take it assert take care of us right uh lead and it is so attractive and it is so what we long for you know what i mean and i think i don't know at some point along the way guys became fearful of it um or lost their confidence lost their balls in some kind of way somewhere who knows and we got you guys got to get them back if that's you um let's also you know God, there's so many things to talk about here. I don't know if you have something you can bring up, but I I want to maybe cover a couple more of these areas. Uh, eye contact is really an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I am yeah. so moved by men, whether it's platonic or mm-hmm. not, who yep. have direct eye contact with me and hold it. Mm-hmm. It's not that I want to like go have sex with my friend. <laughs> not like I'm like immediately attracted to me. No, but there's something so attractive. There is, yeah. Manly, manly yumminess that emanates. I like it. I listen, our like for me, I've talked to other women. I mean, maybe women listening don't agree, but like uh porn in a lot of ways for us is like watching guys do guy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like watching a guy like build some shelves or something like our family, like, <laughs> like we, right? Because that's such a primal thing too. Like, oh, they're being too, they're taking care of us, they're hunting, yeah. right? And yeah. It's so attractive for us to see in that element. And one of the things about eye contact is it's just, again, it's very assertive. It's very confident. It's very still. It's that core. I am okay with myself and who I am. And I notice it so much more now. I, as a speaker and everything that I do, of course, have to, the way you learn eye contact at first as a performer, you learn to like, I've got to make a point to look at the audience and stare at the, you know, it kind of becomes practice at first. And then over time you get used to it. And so then it became glaringly obvious to me when people are constantly looking away or blinking a lot and not able to hold eye contact. And even that right there, starting with that as a practice could actually ignite. It's like the acting as if that ignites some confidence because it kind of goes both ways. It's like, if you're not happy and you smile long enough, you'll start to kind of write. And 
Do you get where I'm going with that? I do. I do. And, you know, we, let's see, how do I say this? We speak volumes about the truth of ourselves. You know, the way we hold ourselves is a real reflection of what we believe about ourselves. And also the way we hold eye contact, as you said, is a huge screaming signal of how we feel about ourselves. And so if you are locking eye contact with me and I'm looking away, I am telling you that I don't feel okay about myself, that I don't want to be seen for who I am because I don't like who I am. Whereas, and, and you feel that, you know, whereas if I meet your gaze, as you were talking about, and hold it, and then I get a little half smile on my face. Like, you know that I'm okay with myself, even even without having to prove it. It's just evident by the way that I can hold hold gaze. And so, you know, the way they say that windows are the eyes to the soul, and it's exactly true. And if I don't like what I have inside, then I think you won't like it, so I'm not going to show it to you through eye contact. And what happens for a man who maybe hasn't fully developed his, his, his masculine core is when, particularly a beautiful woman like you, is gonna, it looks at us, there's, a, there's this rise, and you can't see my hand moving, but there's this rise of anxious energy that arises in us. And we go into that, as I said before, that state of threat. Because we, you know, the threat here is that we think we're going to be found out for the insufficient human being that we are. And that, and we have to stop all of our non-masculine behaviors, our attempts to stop anxiety. And so looking away is the remedy to stop the anxiety. Because then I'm, I'm not locking eyes with you and then the anxiety goes down. So this really ties back to, I think it's chapter eight in the book about threat. About It's about threat and anxiety and the body-mind's uh, unwavering propensity to do anything to make the anxiety stop. And in this case, it's called breaking eye contact. So it really, this really fits perfectly into the book. So I'm glad you put that example up. I love it. Tell, let's, uh, let's talk about a few more examples. Give us some real life stories of either some 180s or, or some others, you know, some scenarios that are stick out to you of all of the people you've spoken to or learned about throughout, you know, this process. Wow. So many of them, quite frankly. Um, one of the more extreme examples is I, I had a person uh, whose spouse looked at them and said, uh, you got two choices. Uh, we either get divorced or I can take other lovers because I'm massively underwhelmed with our sex life. And that, wow. hit, like, that, that hit this person like a ton of bricks. And um, so, yeah, we worked on him for a while and found all the ways that he was really afraid to assert himself and I'll be damned, this guy, I didn't, I didn't think he had it in him. But, you know, after, after a while of coaching, you know, I was, we, we, immediately, we started with some of the underlying factors of just being able to ground him. But when we moved beyond that, we started to work on that darker sexual energy. So I started to show him just some really easy, light starter techniques for, for domination um, or little moments of domination that he could bring in. And then we started to talk about rope tying and other things, types of restraint. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, he actually brought it with her. And it wasn't perfect, but it was a market change for what he had brought through, through many years of marriage. And, uh, and she called it off. Not the marriage, but the, the dilemma she put, up, she put in front of him. She actually retracted it because he was able to bring some of that dark energy and, and really assert himself in the bedroom. And then it really spilled over into the rest of their life, too. So it's really a wonderful story, one that I didn't quite expect that. Uh, result, but uh, I'm happy to say that it was a real turnaround. And you know what? This is why I do this. They had kids, and you know, yeah. as some as somebody who had to look at his three young children ten years ago and say, "Hey, mommy and daddy are going to split up," I don't ever want any other man to have to do that. So, anytime I can come in and affect a situation where it's a family and the family stays together, I feel really good about my work when that happens. And this is one of those cases. Absolutely. No. And again, some of these things are not too far gone, even though it seems pretty far gone when someone says, Hey, look, you better step up or I'm actually literally going to go take up yeah. lovers. I mean, that's a hardcore thing to bring up on. Give props to her actually for, for actually coming out and saying it. Um, she could have been, I have to agree with you there. She could have been more underhanded about it and she didn't, she was, she was out with it. And, uh, yeah. and sometimes that, not sometimes, that is the way to handle things above board. Just be as authentic as possible. What are some things that stick out to you that are, um, when you share some of this work and some of these things with, with guys that you coach, what are some of the classic objections you get initially before they, do you know what I'm saying? Like where do people, 
where they're like, well, wait a minute. What about, you know what I mean? They just don't want to accept it kind of thing or. Uh, I hear, I tried that a lot. Ah, okay. They, and I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tell me, ex- <laughs> tell me exactly how you said it. And it, I get one of two answers. One is they, they said, well, I didn't actually say it. I just thought it. I was like, well, you then you didn't do it. <laughs> or the way they did it was, you know, they spoke from their head. They spoke through blaming and shaming. And, but they didn't actually tap into a deeper part of them and speak to her from that part. Because one of the most common things that I see and, and that I've learned, unfortunately, firsthand is as a man, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't matter quite as much what you say. It matters. Can she feel you when you say it? If you're, t- if we're talking about a, an emotional topic at, at that level, if she can't feel you, if it's kind of this heady answer that sounds clever to you, but it's really isn't spoken from a deeper place. Most of the really intuitive women I know just are like, I can't feel you. And it doesn't make it better. It actually makes it worse because they go nuts when they can't really feel us. And so a lot of the time I am teaching men, number one, to speak their truth. And number two, simply speak it from the heart. So I have all these embodiment exercises I do with them to really tie their, tie their voice to their heart and to these deeper places. And it works. If you're with an emotionally healthy, not emotionally healthy, but somebody who's really capable of being in their emotions, which is most women. Um, and you're speaking from your head, it's, you're going to be less successful than when you speak from your heart. So speak your truth from your heart. And that's one of the most common things I work with men on. Yeah. Being, being vulnerable is tough for, for a lot of people. And doesn't ha- it doesn't mean that we want you guys to be mushy and sappy and, and like us, but it does mean that we want you to express yourself and your feelings towards us. And I think this leads me then to, now granted, this would get into like what people care about in terms of, I guess, love languages or whatnot. But mm-hmm. gosh, if I could impart anything to guys, I'd be like, dudes, you could just uh, clear up so many problems from day one by just like occasionally expressing through words how you yeah. feel about your woman. Like literally, that's all you <laughs> It's like it's hard, words, dude. It's yeah. words, bro. You don't even have to get flowers. You have to like, I mean, that's all nice. And I'm sure there's someone who needs gifts and whatever, but honestly, like words, right? Just yeah. because, you know, that again, it goes back to that. It's safety to us. It's the reassurance to us, yep. right? Even though it's not like, yeah, you know, I mean, if you're in a relationship where every day you think that person is going to leave, you got, you got a problem, but it's not that it's not like we're always in constant fear of that, but it is that reassurance, that safety. Yeah. And this goes yeah. back to primal, like I'm out here in the wild, man. I got all these kids. You're not going to bail on me. Yeah. To the, well, let's, let's, let's untangle what you just said, because for me, the, the, I have a core belief that, you know, women feel best and act best when they feel the connection is strong with them and their beloved. Yeah. And this, this reassurance that you're talking about is translates directly into that. Because if, if I'm expressing, God, you look so beautiful today. And, you know, that in your mind translates as, okay, he's still attracted to me. He's going to stick around. The connection between us is safe. It all goes back to that emotional safety and the health of the connection. And so I actually generalize that advice for men is is like, do one thing every time you interact with your woman is take care of the connection first, whatever that means. And so um, if you get home at night, you know, I had a client who get home, he got home one night and he couldn't find his wife, so he just uh, he went off and did you know something that he wanted to go do you know in the other room of the house. And she got really pissed, and he couldn't figure out why. And so as I was coaching, I was I was coaching him like you got to go down there, find her in the house, and establish connection with her. And at that point, you could say, "Baby, I'm going to go. I'm going to go hit the wood saw in the garage." But once you've established the connection, you get a lot more latitude to do these other things. But if you don't take care of the connection first, then she's going to be in an elevated state. And that's going to mean she's going to be crabby or complaining or something because you haven't taken care of the connection first. So I think that reassurance that you talked about really falls into that category. And on the note of, hey, I'm going to go hit the hacksaw in the garage, like that's so hot, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, there's one better example you could have given. Um, no, I know my yeah. audience here. <laughs> Right, right. No, but it's it's just so interesting. And I also would say too to guys, and this goes for sort of everybody. It's what I talk about when uh, men raising little girls is to veer away from having the majority of those compliments be visual based. Like, oh, what a cute dress, what cute earrings. Like little girls love to be told they're cute, but what's more important for everyone to develop self-confidence and, and, and this would go to appreciating your man, 
or appreciating your woman, which is call out, you're, you're with them for a reason. And there's something, there's things you obviously love about their character and, mm-hmm. and pointing something like that out. Even if it's just like, you're so hilarious. That's why I love you. You're like, you know what? You are so smart because there's, there's those things, but rarely they're said. And then not that it was bad that you said, Oh honey, you look so beautiful tonight. We want to be told that, but we yeah. also want to hear the other. And so do our men, right? Our men like, you're so cute. Look how handsome you are. Like that gets old after a while. Like, you know, just coming in from the hacksaw in the garage, be like you're such a strongly man, badass. Look at you. Like, you know, any kind of like, you know, glorification of this, like, cause that's yeah. how we, I mean, anytime you get a chance to compliment in a unique way or a way that's a little bit like deeper, right? And these are just words and they, they buy so much. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, they really do. And I think it, it you know, the, the compliments and sort of fit into a larger piece. Like my experience is that women love to be seen, you know, seen for who they are and their gifts. And so it's, you're right. Don't just keep it to the visual, like, what is your baby passionate about? You know, what is she really bringing to the world? Um, you know, what's her light in the world? So for a man to really see and recognize all those aspects, not just the visual, but all of those aspects of his women uh, can be, can be deeply nourishing. I think we all just need to do more verbal appreciation, right. Of people take it so for granted and a little goes a long way, especially in romantic relationships. Uh, Tell us, Oh, you know, and this brings me to reminding me as we're having this conversation about that, that safety, the reassurance that we were just talking about, this level of feeling protected. And going back to my conversation with Robert Glover about there's really then less ignition on my primal nature to test it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Can you mm-hmm. expand on that, or do you want to highlight on well, that? Well, yeah, clarify what you mean when you say test it. What do you? Well, well, like you know, if we don't feel safe, we might test, right? Mm-hmm. We might cause issues, or you could say, or I mean, I'm not ragging our women here, but like again, you know, we we're in that position yeah. sometimes where we might pull things, and and they're like these false tests because we're trying to like get the reassurance. <laughs> do you know right. what I mean? And those yeah. tests are kind of problem causing ones. They're not like ever fun, right? They're like the annoying things. And yeah. so you know, the conversation with him was saying like, when you're at the point where you're not a people pleaser in his scenario, when he was talking about that, you know, um, and in general, when you're with someone and you're at that, they're, they're, they're a strong man, then we feel so protected that we're going to want to let, we're less inclined to do that. Or if we do do it, then goes back to the beginning where you were talking about that level of verbal sort of assurance, like looking mm-hmm. them in the eye yeah. and being, you know what I'm saying? I do. You know, if, if the men create a vacuum of that reassurance, uh, then the tests are going to come. So a vacuum of reassurance right. could, could come because he doesn't come through on his word or he doesn't give verbal reassurance. And all these things that either prove through action or at least prove through reassuring words that you will always be there. Because that's what the feminine is looking for. I don't mean women. I mean the feminine uh, part of uh, anybody, really. But in this sure. case, we're talking about women. Is he going to be there for me? Can I count on him? And that's really the core question for the feminine relative to the masculine. And so, yeah, man, if you, if you don't do it through actions, deeds, and words, uh, she'll come and look at tests. <laughs> she'll find it one way or another. She's going to get her answer one way or another. And unfortunately, the tests often come out as complaining, nagging, and just yeah. general toxicity, quite frankly. And yeah. most, most men then fail those tests because it's her and seems like she's just going nuts and being really mean. And so men will get defensive, will shut down, uh, will get all butt hurt, and will fail the test. <laughs> and then guess what? She just gets more worked up when you fail the test. And so, right. And all know, we men, want you guys to do is man up. We just want you to man up. <laughs> just fill that vacuum. Fill that vacuum through your words for your deeds and your actions, for sure. This has been so great. Really love what I've read of it, even though I missed a few chapters there. Uh, Such great work you're doing, and we'd love to have you back on the show sometime and get deeper into some subjects. But tell us how you you coach people. Is it groups, one-on-one? Tell us how men out there can benefit from your work other than this awesome book. Yeah, so um, one-on-one coaching is uh, what I spend a lot of my time doing, but I've also just started group coaching. So it's a little bit more affordable and you get the benefit of seeing other men, you know, and their issues and, and the coaching that they receive. So you can find out about both of those, but just go to the website, uh, get on the mailing list and then reach out with an email. The other thing you can do is obviously social media and see some of the different videos I've created with various people, uh, GS Youngblood one on Facebook and GS Youngblood MIR on Instagram. 
And um, uh, yeah, those are the easiest ways. I do other things besides coaching. I've got the online uh, meditation course and embodiment uh, practices coming out very soon. And I'm just now putting together the, uh, the dark energy workshop. And this is where we're going to go and go into some of those darker uh, sexual areas. And really it's, it's, I mean, we're going to teach you a little bit of technique, but it's a lot of it is about cultivating that dark energy. It's not a BDSM workshop, even though there'll be a little, little hints of some of that, but it's about developing that darker energy within you. And then coupling that with the light, you know, that's what most women tell me. They love that combination of it's got dark energy and heart energy at the same time. This is where we're going to cultivate in that workshop. Oh man, guys jump in on this one. Sure. Thank you. Such a great conversation. Thank you so much. We will put everything in the show notes to connect with you and really appreciate your time. Is there any sort of last words of wisdom or anything you'd like to leave our audience with? Um, men, it can get better. Stop blaming her. When you change, she'll change and your life can get better. Well said. Thank you so much. And for everyone else, we will see you next week. Hey, Primal Blueprint listeners. No dairy in your life? No problem. Primal Kitchen has you covered because our no dairy vodka sauce is made with avocado oil and organic cashew butter so you can ditch the dairy and keep the decadent taste you love. Made without gluten, soy, canola oil, or artificial ingredients, this vegan plant-based sauce is paleo certified. Visit us at primalkitchen.com for more real food options from dairy-free Alfredo sauce to tomato basil marinara and a whole host of other delicious products the entire family will love. Hi folks, Mark Sisson here. If you found your way to the Primal Path and want to help others live primally too, then visit primalhealthcoach.com to learn how you can join our mission to help 100 million people reclaim their health and how you can turn your passion for wellness into a profitable health coaching career that you love. The world needs health coaches. The world needs you. So visit primalhealthcoach.com today to learn more.